podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this episode is brought to you by Mrs. Myers. A delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything we make is inspired by the garden. With plant-derived ingredients, our cleaning products work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. So bring a little bit of the outside inside your four walls and bask in the wonder of a garden from the comfort of home. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Shop now at MrsMyers.com. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh, my goodness. It's a counter-attack. Here's Didier Drogba. And now Kedir in the middle. Drogba goes. Yes, welcome again. Same time, another week. Chelsea Hour, Touchline Frappers, Chelsea Dedicated Pod. This week I'm joined by Jermaine. Yo, what's going on, yes? What's going on, man? And Daniel Soft. What's up, bro? Not too much, not too much. We, uh, we're tonight, tonight we're lacking Meads, we're lacking Joel, we're lacking Palumi, all different reasons. Joel, get well soon, bro. Palumi, just set an earlier alarm. Uh, <laughs> Meads, I think, is bogged down in work. But, uh, Palumi's here, you know? Palumi, you still edgy? Yeah, he's still here, you know? Uh, definitely, I'm still here. Yes, my guy. I thought he jumped off the <laughs> no, track. You know, they're trying to get rid of me. <laughs> well, no, I just you know you got you got loyalties in the game. Do you get me? Like I'm not trying to, not trying to put you in any sticky situations. But anyway, listen. This week, pels. Were you were you up? Were you up? Were you feeling a bit more hopeful, or have you just come crashing back down? Considering we had a domestic and a European date, and one went better than the other. Um. Obviously, I wasn't on last week, but um, the United result just finished me. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to, like, I'm really trying not to think like a fan. Um, 
So like, try not to be fickle. But United, I think not being able to beat Oli like really, really stresses me out. Like, not being able to beat him ever. Level. Not being able to beat him Oli, ever. Yeah. It feels like. Yeah, it's a bit. That's a bit scary. Um, so I think when when I was going, when we went into the kind of the Spurs game, uh, was I wouldn't have been shocked had we if we'd lost, basically. Um, but it didn't it didn't fill me with hope per se. It just let me know that. We're we're gonna continue to be up and down, basically. Well, if I'm gonna um, be if I'm gonna be real, like you were last week on the pub, we weren't overwhelmingly positive about Spurs either. If I'm honest, because we just come yeah, off yeah, the United yeah. loss, and I was fearing the worst. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I'm not too like. I think what I've what I've learned basically in terms of me being detached or having a lack of hope, I think it's just because I'm being emotional. And truthfully, we're gonna. I feel the inconsistency is gonna continue. Um, so I so the, whilst the like the Spurs result didn't shock me, the Bayern result didn't shock me either, and I really wouldn't be shocked if we lost to to Bournemouth on Saturday. Um, and that's kind of where I am with us at the minute. And what do you think? What do you what do you put that? Uh, it's something Dan mentioned a lot last week uh, about the inconsistencies, but something we identified maybe is actually more consistently poor at the minute in the last sort of sixteen games prior to Spurs, but. Um, would you put that inconsistency down to not just the negatives, but the positives as well? How are we able to turn up against certain sides and then and then just fall flat on our face against others? I think um, Dan's refer- referenced it before, but I think the, there does seem to be a level of um, or like a, a little bit of, of a mix up between kind of flexibility, but then also kind of tinkering too much almost um, and I think we we've kind of had performances basically where we've been fantastic in one system against one team and then it hasn't worked in the same system against another team so for instance we had the runner games against um, it kind of the, the Christmas period where we beat two bigger teams um, in Arsenal and Spurs by in one game the 3-4-3 worked brilliantly and in another it didn't equally we played Southampton with a 3-4-3 um, and the two tens that we had were really deep and we were, we were playing everything in front of Southampton and we couldn't kind of find space. But then at the same time now, we've beaten Spurs twice of it. So I think the, it's difficult um, for them, for the management team that is, to kind of find or to understand what solution to use at what time. Um, and with that change, um, we just find our performances wavering. I do think also the players in particular... Um, at times, I think I don't think we're awful that we have awful options. Um, and I, like Dan said this before as well, like I think it's more so that we've got good options at times that are underperforming. Um, and part of that will be down to like someone like Tammy who hasn't had the weight of, of this responsibility before. Um, Mount looked burnt out and looked kind of shoddy for a couple of games, and then I thought he was really bright against Man United, and I thought he was fantastic against Tottenham. Um, and it's kind of like that element of it. But then at the same time, there's a lot of those players. So the Tammy amount type players in terms of age and profile, they don't make up the large majority of our of our starting eleven or of our squad. So I do think it's also down to a lack of quality. Um, and I watch players like Rudiger, Barkley, um, even Jorginho at times. I think that, yes, you have an element of quality, but I don't think some of these players are, are good enough long-term to really take us up to the level that we want to be at um, and I think it's just a combination of that and, and and then the fact that the 
the team is the staff is quite new to, to this level um, and some of the players are quite new to the level it just means that we're going to consistently kind of have these up and ups and downs really I hear you a few, a few things there uh, uh, stood out one main one would be the, the topic of individual quality so we're going to get into towards the end of the pod this um, report in the sun from, from Duncan Wright on, on potential summer plans. We'll leave that to the end, but that could be an interesting discussion about what that quality needs to be and, and who's not currently reaching it. Um, but just on the on the topic of systems making up for that supposed lack of quality, Dan, I know last week you weren't, not were against the 3-4-3, but you were hesitant for it to be played just because it had worked previously, similar to what Palumi said has happened once or two times this season. After the performance against Spurs, there was a little, um, little online community conversation and offline as well, saying, "Look, this seems to make up for a lot of the deficiencies in the squad. We've had a really good performance of on it. Um, what made that three four three work so well uh, on the early Saturday kickoff last weekend?" Well, you know what it is. I think you know. I feel like not. It seems to work better against defensive managers. So I think it helped that, number one, Mourinho played a 3-4-3. But also, if I look at the kind of games that it's worked in, it all seems to be managers that are trying to counter-attack. Um, so when we won against Spurs with the 3-4-3 the first time, and then we played the 3-4-3 against Arteta, who's like a possession-based manager, the two in the middle got swamped, and he realised, actually, I need to bring Jorginho on. So I think what you've referenced to, I think what uh, Pell's referenced to earlier in terms of actually the management team seems to be struggling on when to use which formation. I feel like if there's any kind of rule of thumb, just by going on the evidence they should go with, it's that actually if you're playing against a possession side, if you're playing against three midfielders, I know sometimes it's difficult to predict what formations are going to play. I actually watched Bayern Munich against, against Paderborn. That was the game before we played them and they played the 3-4-3. Three, which is why I was hopeful against them, because at least then we would match up formation to formation. Like, because I already knew when you're playing a three-four-three against a possession side with three in the middle, that's going to be sticky, especially in Europe. However, I was under the impression they were going to play a three-four-three. But yeah, definitely, if you've got midfielders that can pop the ball about and keep it, um, then it's going to be difficult. And also, with, in terms of our big game wins, they seem to be the big London derbies against Arsenal and Spurs. All other games, actually, we've either played well and lost, or, yeah, all of the other big um, games, usually we've just kind of played well and lost, and that that was with the 4-3-3. Now, in the Champions League, I think it's, you know, this is coming from a retrospective place, but in the Champions League, I think it's best for, especially like a new manager like Lampard, to play a possession system, because we've already seen in the Premier League that actually we turn over the ball quite a lot. And obviously, if you do that in a Champions League with a counter-attacking formation, you're going to get punished, especially against quality like Bayern Munich. Uh, Jermaine, Lampard stuck <laughs> with the same team from this Saturday um, and he brought in a few few players that have been out in the cold for a little while. It doesn't. It's not a good good thing that we're still reliant on, on Pedro uh, William as starters, but even, even then, I wasn't expecting to see them both dropped. Uh, I think Pedro had a little niggle, but... Maybe that's uh, Dan's conspiracy theory about William coming to life. But Barkley and Mount in those floating midfield positions behind behind Giroud and the inclusion of Giroud himself. Um, do you think 
before we get on to Bayern and how it maybe didn't work at the uh, European level, do you think that is a good short-term fix for the domestic competition? Because I think something Dan's alluded to there is, is quite interesting in that we may have stumbled on something that works domestically and at home that isn't going to cut it in Europe, but we might not be in Europe for very long. Do you think short-term getting shooters and ball players around Giroud is a is a is a decent fix for domestic or do you think it's just worked against Spurs but it's not going to work long term? Uh, um I think it's I think it's difficult to say because Spurs kind of lack a lot of quality up top at the moment as well in terms of you know they've got their two main main attackers out at the moment in terms of Son and Kane. So um, and then that's a really polite way of putting it, Jermaine, but also they're fucking awful. Like, I don't know how they've turned their form around the way they have, but they are yeah. awful. And, I, and even since Jose Mourinho's come in as well, I think they've they've looked shaky in other games as well. So they haven't really, I wouldn't really say they've improved since since Jose's come in. I think they've, I think they've, they've gone, they're, they're worse basically. So even though like Spurs do have some quality, I, I think, a full strength Spurs might have tested us a little bit more, so it's difficult to say if it's going to be something um, that will work going forward. But there's there's another reason it, it will probably work more so, and that's because of the the players that we have out and that keep getting injured. And I think, in terms of you know injuries to Hudson, um, Kante, Pudisic, that they're they're like three three players that we could really do with right now in terms of if we were to play like four three three. Or even a four-two-three-one, and and we don't really have them options at the moment. So, I think that's the main reason why we've gone to that formation. But I can see it working in the future. Like in terms of, I wouldn't be surprised if he went with it against Bournemouth. Um, I don't, I don't know. I think Mount looks better in that in that formation in terms of like he's rather than playing that second striker role, he's actually getting involved a lot more in in build-up play. You know, he was picking up the ball a lot of Jorginho and Kovacic against Tottenham and, and um, he looked really good on the ball. Some great little interactions with Giroud as well down yeah, the, yeah. the right half space. Really, really good. Yeah, and I think like Giroud really enjoyed playing with Mount as well Like in that game. like He looked like he was enjoying himself up there with Mount running off him and, and Barkley. Barkley actually looked quite good against Spurs. Obviously, we saw him against Bayern, but you know we'll talk about that later. But like in terms of against Spurs... I think that's just Barkley for you. Well, isn't I you? still um, maintain that Barkley is the most technically and physically gifted player in England because that's the only explanation for this guy having a career without a brain. It's the only only excuse that he... He's got to be a training player, isn't fam, he? Fam, I don't know how he's managed to... But anyway... It's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not just training, though. We've seen it in bits. Like, in like games, Spurs, like, he was good. But it's like... It's definitely Jekyll and Hyde with him. And I think against Spurs, one of the things I liked is when you've got Mount, who's someone that's going to really press high, Barkley comes a little bit deeper. So I, I was thinking, actually, this kind of works. Because yeah. like I talked about, when you're playing a 3 4 3 and it's two midfielders, they can get kind of swamped. If, like, well, to be fair, it was a 3 4 3 against Spurs, but they can get swamped. But the fact that Barkley can kind of drop in and make that a three, I thought, actually, this is quite a robust formation. I think as well that the, the, the problem is as well with this formation is that Although we have got some positives with it as well, I think, I don't know, we've seen it a bit now with Rhys James playing at right wing back. And again, we'll talk about him 
playing right wing back again against Bayern. Yeah, because there was but a few issues there. Uh, few issues and, and they were just solely down to him. No, one hundred percent. So I was. Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. One hundred percent. What did you think about Reese James at right, right wing back? I thought we saw another side to his game. So I thought, in terms of him getting forward, I don't know. I, I didn't really feel like it was what we've seen of him at right back at times. I didn't, I didn't feel like it was the same. I didn't feel like he had the same effect. So, I don't know, man. I, I we begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. I think he's, he's still got a lot to learn, obviously, playing in that position. But it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an opportunity for Lampard to get Aspie in the team. It's an opportunity to, to have three centre-backs at the back. So, I don't know, to Lampard, obviously, he thinks we look a lot more solid. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I, I agree with you in that. I think his attacking instincts are. He's limited when he's up that high to just get it, chest it down, cross it, as opposed to being able to go in on the underlap, be able to drive from deep, be able to pop up a little bit deeper. And I think your point there about it being the only shape really that Asby naturally fits in. That's almost to the detriment of James. I'm not the youth whisperer that some people are in terms of knowing the Chelsea development sides of the past few years. But when I did see them, it was often James as that right centre-back coming up to support the attacks and it would be a Dujon Sterling or a Tariq Lamptey out um, in that wide position. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, I feel you that it's not the best fit, but he at least against Spurs showed, showed a good good bit defensively and, and just sort of earned his stripes that way. Palumi, you mentioned uh, Tammy not having had a season like this with the, the weight of the world on his shoulders and when he's not scoring, the team aren't scoring and dealing with that pressure. Do you feel like the 3-4-3, whether it's him or Giroud playing, just helps them in terms of the natural positions that players take up and potentially allowing for people like Alonso, who is a lot of maybe not great things, but a decent goal threat? For me, I think the um, the three four three is a weird one because I I do think the benefits of it come to the fore when we play teams like Spurs, um, and by that teams by that I mean teams that are a little bit more willing, just because of their their profile, are more willing to kind of come out um, and give us a bit of a test. Um, whereas against like Southampton is probably the the key reference in my head because of just because of how that game went. Um, in that game, they, the way they defended in terms of a low block, I don't feel like he was any more involved um, or like our attackers were any more involved than they would have been in, in any other game. So I'm not so sure that the... Or a lot more involved in kind of games where we played 4 3 threes, for 4-2-3-1s and where we struggled with the same thing against like um, kind of Bournemouth, Burnley, them sorts of teams. What I would say is that um, the 3 4 three, is is good in in the games where there's a little bit more space, um, in the games where we're, we're more willing to kind of go for it because you have that width, the switch of play. Um, I think the the interchange between someone like Giroud and the players around him is was more beneficial just because those those chances are a little bit fewer, 
a little bit more few and far between um, because because just because of the nature of, of the bigger games, you don't really get frequent chances. But I think when we were fizzing the ball into him, having that many players around him, it really quickly just kind of unsettled the opponents, um, Spurs on this occasion. I think the, the issue I have with the system generally is just that I, I don't think that it necessarily solves the, the chance creation problems. I think Rich James probably is our biggest chance creator and he doesn't look 100% comfortable. And I think that's probably a worry because if he's not comfortable and he's not able to find a cross, which is basically what we do most, um, then a, a large a large part of the chance creation kind of goes. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too convinced. I don't think I don't think that the Spurs games are necessarily anything to go by, especially because like when when Dan said when we played teams, Arsenal did like the, the kind of really disciplined um, mid block, mid to low block when we played them um, at the Emirates, and it wasn't until we changed the shape that we actually got some joy. Um, so yeah, I'm not, I don't know how I feel about it really. I think Tammy in particular benefits doesn't really benefit anymore anyway because he's not really that good at kind of bringing other people into play um so truthfully i think he's probably better off with the other systems where they're kind of just trying to fizz balls into the box um and we saw that when willian came on and when, when pedro came on because they then he then kind of got into those positions where the, where the balls kind of flash across the box and he just missed out um yeah I, i'm not sure tammy's really really suited to to playing in that system anyway to be honest okay Cool. Well, I mean, don't forget there is obviously a contractual obligation to play as Biliqueta no matter what. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's maybe it's the only option we have. But um, as as again, you alluded to yourself, polluting me with not these systems not being a one size fits all um, solution to our issues. We looked at the Spurs game. We looked strong against Spurs. Barkley was solid. Alonso was solid. Mount and uh, Kovacic were fantastic. Giroud had a, a particularly good first half. Back three looked strong. Even even Rudiger, why not? But uh, but yeah, it seemed to be right. This worked on Saturday. It's going to work on. Uh, is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday night. Tuesday, Tuesday. night. Tuesday night. It's going to work on Tuesday night, which clearly hasn't happened. So Lampard went with an unchanged team for what feels like the first time in a really really long time, expecting yeah. the the Barkley Alonso performances to directly translate um, clearly didn't happen. What is what is it that Bayern were able to really pick apart in this system that you've just alluded to earlier that left us on our arse on Tuesday night? Yeah, I'd say um, I think the the main thing was like the superiority um, in the middle. So I think Muller um, picked up really, really, really good spaces um, and Nabry was dropping in and I think Naturally, when players, um, especially ones in the front three, drop off when playing against the back three, the, the kind of the centre halves have a really, really awkward um, decision to make in terms of do I follow in or do I kind of sit where I am. Um, and on occasion, they in the first half especially, they stayed where they were. But Nabry was picking up pockets, Muller was kind of picking up pockets and just fizzing it out um, in one touch. And I think that really kind of unsettled and dragged people about a bit. Um, and they carved us open. But for Caballero, we would have kind of been two, three 0 down in the first half. Yeah. I think the um, the the real game changer in that was for me was when, despite being carved open, and this is something I didn't kind of really see until post game. But despite being carved open, I would have hoped or I would have liked rather um, that 
we maybe change the shape or yeah, change the shape basically after the first half. What I imagine the message was was that actually we've done pretty well and if we just take care of the ball, we can get something out of the game when really and truly we weren't really in the game in the first half. Um and I think if had we put like an extra body in midfield, um either kind of move SP wide to play to play um fullback and put James in the middle to kind of beef it up. Um I hate the term beef it up because it thinks I'm because I'm because I know Joe's gonna know that think I'm referencing pace and power. But really what I mean is just having an extra body in midfield to cover the spaces. Or um even put Christensen at the base of midfield, um, which is another kind of draw idea. But I think just having more bodies in there, one would have helped us with re- retaining possession. Um but two would have kind of cut away that space that Muller had that Nabru was finding and would have given given us a little bit of a better solution. Um but yeah. I'm not sure I'm not sure I've, I've completely agree on the first half in terms of we were by no means the better side, but in terms of our level and Bayern's level European knockout performance, I don't think it was poor. I think there was maybe twenty minutes that we were in it and we controlled it relatively well. I think those chances where they did get in behind in the first half were two or three major times where Rudiger just thought, you know what, I'm going to go really tight to Muller, who's deep, and just let Kingsley Coman just run in behind. But I do feel you in that they were always going to turn the screw. Um, they were always going to find a little way through, which it looked like in the second half turned into targeting the opposite side to the first, where Alfonso Davies really put his name on the map in Europe and Stocks and shares in Reese James have been flung out for pennies, it feels like, on Twitter afterwards. Um, Dan, was it the shape that needed changing? Was it to go a bit more offensive with just the types of passes we were playing? Or was Bayern's quality, player for player, just unsurmountable for Chelsea on Tuesday night? So are are we talking about, after the first half, noticing that actually... We're on, we're in the game, but we're on the ropes. You're saying is that the situation you're talking about, or are you just talking about in general? In general, but that's how I saw the situation at halftime. I thought we were in a not awful position, but it was always going to be one where Bayern were going to up their game. Hundred um, percent, and I think just in general, I think this is what I'm saying. Sometimes the whole community, and like I hate it because we know that actually we're very inconsistent and it's like a bipolar feeling, but I can't help it. After the Spurs game, something came up in me and I, I believed a little bit. And I was like, yeah, this formation kind of bangs. Let's play Bayern with this formation. And I don't know why I didn't think about it, but we all know for the past couple of years, Bayern have been targeting fast black wingers, like PMP on the sides. We all know that. And if I just kind of, I don't know, like, just I think the Spurs win, it kind of brought a miss where we wasn't thinking straight. Because the first thing we should have been thinking about is actually they have pace on the wings. So we should be playing fast players. We, in terms of the back three, Tamori and Zuma, and I know some people did mention it, but that, that should have been a must. Um, in terms of up front, okay, Barkley played well, but I remember the game when we clamped Zaha. And it wasn't a 3-4-3, it was a 4-2-3-1. But on that side, Zaha had to come up against first William, who was working like like a dog. And then after William, he had to come up against Kante on that side. Obviously, we didn't have Kante. And after Kante, 
he had to come up against Reese James and Zuma. And so, like, of course we clamped and we had so many fast players on that side. We went into the game with Spanish players and Spanish players just don't have PMP. So, it, like, it, it was a mismatch. I saw Mount... So, Mount got through a couple of times on Alfonso Davies' side. Kovacic played some good balls in. The way that Alfonso Davies went to go and pick up, pick him up like a nanny, like 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 a kid, like a toddler that just walked away and is like, come here, and he just picked up the ball. Like, I don't, I just feel like we got carried away with the Spurs results, and I don't think enough thought into actually what we're facing was done. And I think I don't know if it was Bayern trying to play some mind games because they can do that in the, in the, um, the Bundesliga because they're so um, superior that they, they actually play that 3-4-3 three, three. that might have given us hope that actually we don't have to worry about the middle because they'll overpower us but I just feel like in the Champions League at this point for Lampard because I feel like he's still learning um, and I, it's too late now we're out let's, let's, but at this point definitely I, I, and I you know, I can't take credit for this. I listened to Wenger, who he, he said that he said um, Lampard in, in the Champions League possession is king. Now we know Lampard hates possession. He hates what he calls passing around for passing reasons. But I remember, I remember Alex Ferguson struggling in Champions League and actually having to adapt and saying, "Okay, I can't play a four-four-two in the Champions League. We're getting killed. We need to keep possessions." We can't play like we play in the Premier League in the Champions League. We need to be a bit more patient because you can get killed. And we saw it. Like, and obviously, we saw Gnabry against Spurs. And I don't like Rob. His finishes look ice cold. But just that, I think Pep mentioned it as well. The chances that we already conceded chances in the Premier League. We're already kind of like conceding transition. Our form isn't stable. In the Champions League, especially at this stage, you get punished more. So I think especially, you know, I've heard it growing up. They say with the first leg, all you want to do is remain in the tie. You want to remain in the tie. And I think that Lampard was way too ambitious because the 3-4-3 might seem like a, a counter-attacking formation, but it can be an attacking formation if you get your wing-backs to play high. And obviously against Spurs, like we dominated and we were attacking. And I just feel like tactically, they beat us. And then apart from a tactically, they have better plays than us. So it was a mismatch all around. I think I think that's a really good point in terms of... And again, I don't want to be... I, I'm just going to sound like the biggest Lampard hater of all time on this pod. Every week it feels like I've got something negative to say about naivety. But there does seem to be a sense that the formation is the game plan. When a yes. formation can be loads of different things. It seems like whenever we do... Three four three of a or a variant, the wing backs seem to always be really high in this giant horse inverted horseshoe U shape whatever, um, and it feels like we can never just have one of those front three come and screen in as opposed to being really really close to Giroud, and I think this is part of the reason. I know I made the little comment about Reese James stocks being sold like like they like they 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 they're falling off, but like Davies had his. Compared to what Zaha faced off against in terms of really disciplined three-wall gauntlet, Davies had his most direct challenger, Reese James, practically on the halfway line half the time. So then, systemically, he's bouncing it past him, going past a Kovacic, Azpi, 
and then Christensen to recover. This is with Nabri as his partner and Muller floating on the inside. So, just does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why didn't you start with that? The breakfast stampede meal. It's only at McDonald's where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just two bucks on the one, two, three dollar menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba da ba ba ba. Systematically, I think they ju- we just got done by a club which tactically better, culturally winning is just their mo DNA, and I think that got showed in the Jorginho yellow. I felt like that was the the catalyst for head loss. I think we never, ever looked comfortable in anything. His level of descent was a little clue into that. And even like you said, with the chances, it just seemed wham, bam, we're out. It seemed like the difference between 1-0 and still in the tie and 3-0 and we're going home felt like seconds. It felt like the tie was just, it it was a rope being held onto that was just let go and then just slipped all the way through. Jermaine, just sober us up a little bit. Is... Were we just wrong in the first place to even expect anything out of the tie? Was this a free hit where we could have just seen how certain players cope with it? Lampard, uh, <laughs> like I, I've been saying to you, man, the, the timelines made me laugh with Reality Check FC on the, on the account. Um, we had a Reality Check first day of the season against United, a Reality Check against United last week. We had a Reality Check against Everton, Reality Check against West Ham, Reality Check against uh, Bournemouth at home. Reality check against Bayern Munich now. It feels like we have one every month and reality checks just need to become the new reality of the season. Jermaine Lampard said they outclassed us in pretty much every department. And he called, I think he even called it sobering. Were we just silly to expect anything more? Um, or, or was it a gross underperformance considering the personnel we have? I, I don't think... I don't think we thought we were going to get moved to in that manner. So I don't think, like, the thing is with me, when I was watching the game, like, especially in the first half, we did create, like, some chances to score. And, like, I looked at that Giroud chance and I think to myself, like, if that goal goes in, like, the game could change. You never know, innit? It might have been a thing where either Bayern just went to, you know, to fifth gear straight away in the first half, or it could have been a thing where, they might have been a bit shocked by it and Chelsea might have gone on to maybe just slug it out and somehow get a 1-0. Do you know what I mean? But I don't think it's wrong to expect anything from games like that because it's football at the end of the day. But we all know that Bayern have better quality than us. That is not, that's no secret. Do you know what I mean? Like they've got a striker up front in Lewandowski that's going to just 100% bang goals whenever he gets the chance. And like Pearl said, if it weren't for Kabar, like we would have probably been 2-3 down in the first half anyway. So, I think it was a it was a bit naive from Lampard in terms of some of the players that he played as well. I think when you know you lack quality against teams like that, you try and find players that will probably try and dig you out of a hole if you do kind of make the wrong decisions on the pitch and that. And I feel like with players like Aspilicueta and Alonso, Rudiger, as soon as we were out of position or made any kind of mistake, even you saw with the slip straight away, got punished straight away. Aspilicueta slips, can't recover. Boom, goal. And it was just like, you got Tomori, one of our fastest centre-backs, or if not the, cent- the fastest centre-back at the club. 
and you decide to play Aspie right side. Not even, the, not even the speed. The I just do what I do want to say. Covering Reese James playing right back. On that Tawari right. point, just a quick one. Let's not forget <laughs> the the dropping of him still doesn't really have an answer. It's not like his form was was meriting it. It's uh, baffling, bro. It's baffling. It's baffling. And and I look at some of the stuff that happened that game. Yeah, and I know it's easy to say now, but you look at. Um, some of the things that we've we've credited, we've given credit to Tomori for this season in terms of that crazy recovery challenge that he made at Burnley when I don't know how many yards they had on him, but he got back and he made the challenge. And I just feel like you see things like that, and then you look at this, you look at this Bayern team and you look at what they've got, what their strength is, and like Dan said, it's PMP all over the place, bro. Like it's Davis with, with pace, it's Gnabry with pace, it's whipping Coleman with pace. Do you get what I'm saying? And then you want to play Aspie right center right um right center back and mm-hmm. Jorginho who cut bro like it, it just doesn't even make sense to me you you've basically just killed Reese James from the get go because as a player playing wing back and I played wing back before when you play wing back and you know straight away in your head that the players behind you or that are meant to be covering you cannot physically do it you're 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 done mentally you're done you're done already and James I'm not saying his mentality is like that but I'm saying as that game went on longer, he was just thinking, bro, there's no way I'm going to affect this game. There is no way. So I just feel like Lampard killed probably one of his best outlets in Rhys James by by making those decisions. And then, yeah, just the lack of quality all round. I wouldn't be surprised if people thought we weren't going to win the game. That's Like I said, it's no secret that Bayern are better than us. But we did create chances in the first half and Giroud had a chance. Mount maybe, obviously Davis, Davis caught him up in that, but he did get through a couple of times and you never know, like Alonso had a shot as well where he kind of dummied it, guy slid across the floor and, you know, that if that's the same shot as against Tottenham, then boy, you just never know, bro. but yeah. There's a, there's, a, there's a point you've made there, Jermaine, about, uh, about Reese James being done mentally and like you think, okay, he's a young player, this stuff can happen, but it's not, these 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 uh, sort of performances aren't from our young players, and it's a point that's been well made by a few people. It's it's these older players, these experienced heads, these veterans of the squad that seem to be yeah. as, if not more, responsible for the inconsistency. So yes, Aspi really poor for the first goal um, in the air against Nabri, and then it all it all stems from that after a long ball. Alonso, what's he doing for the red card? He loses his head and just decides to throw the tie into even more of a mess in a circus than it is. Um, yep. And it just it just feels like the quality needs to... Let me put it this way. This Sun <laughs> report that we're going to discuss is highlights a, a list of names that there's no way we are going to get rid of all of them in the summer. But they are the gap between us and teams like Bayern Munich for me. It's not even the Tamoris, yes, the Hudson, the Doys. It's the it's the Alonso's, it's the Azpilicueta's 29 going on 60, it's the Barclays, it's these players who have won leagues and won in European honours who are playing like they're new to the level. Palimi, what was you going to say? Well, I would say, yeah, I think just on the, like, to kind of answer your question in terms of, like, the whole did we think we were going to win or were we wrong to expect anything? I don't think um, I don't think anyone really thought we were going to win, which is fine. I think what what irritates me a little bit is that we sometimes use stuff like that as a cop out. 
um, and as mm-hmm. an excuse for really poor performances. Mm-hmm. So for me, people like Rudiger, um, Aspi, Barkley, they've literally dropped five out of tens, four yeah. out of tens, and, and everyone else has had kind of like a five. And if if we don't have a five out of ten, if everyone on the pitch doesn't have a five out of ten and they have a seven, that's never a three-nil game. Mm-hmm. Um, and my and my kind of challenge to to almost to people watching is is and this is a lot of what people have alluded to is were were the teams set up correctly um to kind of to kind of allow or to create the best conditions for for them to to have a seven out of ten, but also irrespective of that, are the players playing doing anything that you know warrants that kind of shows us that oh they maybe need a little bit of help tactically or they're doing something they need to do something exciting differently. Truthfully, a lot of them played really badly, so you don't even really know if. Um, if we, you know, could have competed a little bit better, I just think some of the performances, like from individuals, I think not to not to kind of harp on about Barkley, but he literally couldn't move the ball, um, and just performances like that then kind of, to me, um, put a real dampener on what could have been a, a better test. But it's almost like we didn't show up. Um, so for me, it's it's not so much could we have beaten, could like should we have. Should we have thought we could beat Bayern? Um, maybe not, but truthfully, if you're set up a bit better or you play a bit better than that, you're, you probably don't lose in the manner that we did, basically. Well, for, for sure, for sure also, weaker teams have got bigger results, we'll put it that way. Exactly. Yeah, basically. I've got to put my hands up. In terms of, in the Touchdown Tracker group chat, we were asked, and that's me tonight, and we were asked about, I think Dems, Dems kind of said Bayern Munich have clearly a better team. And, you know, sometimes you just get defensive. So the first thing was like, nah, you can't say clearly at this point. And then, um, so what we did was we brought the 11s of the last two games. So obviously we was half the Spurs win. So we put, brought that 11 in and then we brought Bayern Munich's 11 in. And I was like, actually, do you know what? Dems has a point. Um, but Mies was still kind of defiant saying, actually, nah, we're, we're kind of like neck and neck. <laughs> but, but that's what I'm trying to say. So like, it's easy to say now that no one believed, but I saw on a timeline actually a lot of people were saying actually Bayern Munich aren't doing too well. So I think they're it top was of the Bundesliga, blood. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. I think it was a re- reality. They, they started like shit because Kovac was there, but he's been gone and dusted from time. Yeah, they've been doing they've been doing well, man. We saw that. I think they won 14 out of 17 games. Yeah, they're yeah, in great. Listen, yeah, they're in great. Crazy. They've got they've got the best nine in the world. They've got Nabry knocking on the door of top top tier level. Alfonso Davies has been. I think he came from the MLS. He's been unreal. Um, Iago popping all about. Mate, Muller is still just like I know he's not had the form that he had maybe three years ago, but he's still an incredible player in terms of linking play. Kimmich is unbelievable. Thiago showed what a what a, a nine out of ten Regista looks like as opposed to our sort of six point nine out of ten. Um yeah, I think over the pitch the quality Huh? So you got Pavard as well, like World Cup winner. This is it, man. Like and that. and I think this brings us nicely <laughs> into into where the squad is and where the squad could be. And we've had a little chat privately, but I think it goes without saying now that with the talk uh, that Lampard has has come out with in terms of let's understand where we need to get to. There's a lot to be done, I believe, was what he said afterwards. And this this report in the Sun suggesting that we plan to inverted commas, axe 
Kepa, I think that goes without saying. Lampard's made it very, very clear that you don't start pushing 40 Caballero for four goals, four games in a row, including Champions League knockouts, if you are just doing it to light a fire under a keeper. He clearly is done. Um, and whether or not the club fully back that, we'll, we'll see. But he is done in the manager's eyes. Emerson has been linked with a move away for a while. Um Zuma is on that list. I mean, to be fair, selection doesn't really uh, point that as a lie, even if I think that might be slightly extreme. Alonso, I don't think any Chelsea fans would be crying there. Barkley, see you later. Should have probably never been signed in the first place. Pedro, way too past it now, as as useful as he has been. He's had a good Chelsea career by my standing. Jorginho's agent has been made in, making noises about him uh, going back to Italy all, all year, really. Um, and he's almost finished his narrative and changing, changing the opinion of him a little bit. So I think he's all, he'd rather go to a league probably more suitable. And then you have our most experienced forward player at the club in terms of years spent. Probably most experienced up there anyway in terms of international caps. Supposed, well, I mean, he's. I, did, I was going to say Chelsea icon. He's not, but he's got one of the best songs. And when I was uh, at Stamford Bridge last week with a uh, with a uh, my mate's kid and and his mate, there's kids who still get him on their shirt and see he's the best player at the club. And you've got flipping William after a drubbing in the Champions League. Saying, yeah, 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 Brazilian journal, come round the corner quick. I just want to have a little thing filmed, please. <laughs> and saying, oh, they only offered me two years, but, 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 but I want three because fuck off, blood. Who is this guy to be <clears throat> taking the spotlight after a loss like that and making it about him? Firstly, be happy you're getting two years. Most of the people who are supporters or Fans or followers of this club don't think he deserves another one. And he's crying that the club are willing to give him two, which has only been done once for a player of his age in the last few years. That was one of the most unprofessional and just fucking disgraceful acts of PR. And I don't know who he thinks he is to have achieved it. So I'm glad he's on the list. Let's put it that way. Um... I told you last episode. Well, this is, listen, Dan, your conspiracy theory is looking better and better every week. I won't even lie. I won't even <laughs> lie. Spurs can have him. I'm good. I don't even... I, I'm good. And then he comes on and drops an, a classic sulky 0 out of 10, like, second Conte season. The guy can cut, bro. He is... Like, I don't know what... So, I've never really seen stories about his dressing room personality or leadership skills. But that is not the sort of person you want at your club setting an example for players who are at the negotiation table like a Tammy um, and and who are being thrust into the limelight like a Hudson Adoy and a Mountain of Tamori. I cannot wait, bro. I'll drive the guy to Nam myself. I'll yeah. drive him to Tottenham myself. You know what? Do you remember when Conte left and then he done that? The trophy um, thing. Instagram books. Yeah. Where he kind of covered up. Conte with like some like emo- emojis. And the thing you is, because of how Conte left, everyone kind of... The Medicare annual election period deadline is coming soon. I'm Meredith Vieira, here with examples of people who found the key to the right coverage at myhealthpolicy.com. Meet Larry. He likes doing things online. 
I took my time and found the best Medicare Advantage plan for me at MyHealthPolicy.com. Next is Mary. When she wanted answers, she picked up the phone. I wanted a local perspective on plan, so I called MyHealthPolicy.com. And finally, Michael. I prefer face-to-face, so I chose MyHealthPolicy.com and enrolled on the spot. Go to MyHealthPolicy.com to learn about top-rated Medicare Advantage plans in your area, including $0 premium plans, or call 1-800-GO-START. That's 1-800-GO-START. MyHealthPolicy.com. Meredith Fiera is a paid endorser. KF Agency operates MyHealthPolicy.com, not connected with or endorsed by the U.S. government or the federal Medicare program. A licensed insurance agent may call. So it is like, wait, that's not a way, yeah. blood. That's a mess. That is yeah, a player power like, mess. Yeah, that shows you where his head is at. And, like, I feel like because he knows, like, he's gone now, he can take the piss. Like, he doesn't give a shit at this point. And you can't be relying on players like that in this in this sort of running. Um, I think it was, I think it might have been you, Jermaine. I don't remember who. I think it might have been you, Jermaine, where it's like, is there no academy attacking player who can contribute as a fourth choice while injuries are happening? Because you can't rely on a player like that with really such an apparent mentality loss who knows they're on the way out, who, yeah, like you said, Dan, are competing with a direct rival for Champions League. That complicates the situation <laughs> if he is going to end up across across London. He wants to keep an eye on his restaurant, no doubt. So, yeah, it's not it's not as surprising. <laughs> but listen, going, going on to that list, going on to the going on to the um, the summer discussion, just to round it up, because it, it feels a sobering time in terms of where the squad is at. And like I said at the top of the pod, this isn't going to be a one-summer solution. But if that is the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight players out that we expect it to be, how far and what sort of targets are we targeting to change our next season and how far can it go? i just seen that we're linked with Zaha again. So um, not very far then. Cool. All right, lads, it's <laughs> been, a, been a good pod. But... Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what it is? Obviously, we're seeing links come out. I, I really think that because the Euros is this summer and because they want to get a head start, because obviously we didn't sign anyone in January, I think the directive is actually let's try and wrap up as many deals as possible from now to the end of the season. So whilst Lampard is working on the field, and like I said in the other pod, actually we need to wrap up signings ASAP because we want to wrap it up before they see these simulations like against Bayern Munich, like against Man United, because they might just change their mind. So, I'm just happy that we got ZX sorted. Let's put that's it that what way. I'm saying, for real. Another couple way. of weeks and that might not have gone through. But also, yeah, we've been linked with... Um, I'm going to fuck up the name, but Awa. To be fair, that's, that name is too French for me. I can't lie. It's mad. We've been linked with him. Um, we've been linked with Savage. It seems a lot of midfielders. It's, it seems a lot well, of midfielders. The, I now. mean, let's, let's work our way up the pitch. Goalkeeper yeah. is happening. It's happening. That's so happening. this this Oblak link, I'm calling, I'm calling bullshit personally, but potentially there is something to it. All black you know, and thirty million plus Kepa. Um, but I'll say yes. You're calling bullshit to any any signing that seems good. <laughs> any signing that seems no, good, one hundred. Because I wouldn't join us. Do you know what it is? No, here's here's my thinking. Here's my right, thinking. Say. I'm calling bullshit on any signing of a good player from a good club, as in equivalent size and ambition. So the Ziyech one, you leave Ajax. That's okay. The Onana link, I'm like, you know what? 
you leave Ajax. That's okay. But a man is not joining Chelsea from Atletico Madrid who consistently perform in Champions League knockout games and are always one or two signings from cracking the top two uh, or even better in, in the event of an off-season. No chance. Okay. However, what we will say is this. In terms of, um, from Premier League, not just Chelsea, but we can do Chelsea as well. In terms of Chelsea and Atletico, it's been more we've taken their players. I mean, there's a good relationship, but we took their players when we were in a better position domestically, no? Okay, okay, okay. But what I'm saying is sometimes, like, it's, people's minds are slow to change. So, like, people can still see Chelsea losing, but they still want to be in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm not saying that it's definitely going to happen, but what I'm saying is I wouldn't be, I don't think it's completely off the table. Okay. I think I think as well with Oblak as well you have to you have to also he's not gonna go Madrid he's not gonna go um, I don't think he's gonna go PSG and I don't think he wanna go PSG anyway like. Really and truly, but exactly. like, you look at a lot of the other teams, and they, they've got their goalkeeper sorted. So I think it will be a decent move for him, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, and look at look at the list of links. Like, I mean, they're all decent targets. To be fair, the only one that stinks a little bit is Ariola. It's like, nah, you're all right. But um, yeah. like, we have the Oblak link. The Onana link is. I haven't seen. I don't watch a lot of Eredivisie, but he looks okay in the Champions League. He's. I think he's a La Masia graduate, so he can play out. He's, he's obviously very close with ZX, so. He'll be affordable. I mean, that ticks a lot of boxes. We've also linked with um, Henderson, who's having an amazing season. We're linked with Nick Pope, which hopefully that just stops now because allow it. Um, but generally, they're good links. So working up the pitch, keeper is happening. Centre-back, you feel like should happen, but I just don't know if there'll be enough urgency for it because you look at Zuma, Rudiger, Christensen and Tamori and you think, yeah, that's okay. So in a summer where you're pressed to make immediate gains, I don't know if that one is the priority and I haven't seen too many strong links apart from, is it uh, Upper Mencano? And, and listen, he's, he's, he's obviously a good player, but I don't know if another player in their early 20s is exactly the right timeline to be targeting unless we were to lose a Christensen. Um, and I think as well, you look at the way he's been playing Rudiger. And I don't even think the the rumor about oh, like he's had a look at Rudiger and thinks he's not good enough. I don't even think that adds up because if you think he's not good enough, but yet you haven't seen Tomori play anywhere near as bad, and you're not playing Tomori, like it does, it doesn't, it, it don't make sense. Well, well, think, what I'll say, what I'll say is Tomori's not the tallest, so fair, mm. fair. I, yeah, and we were conceding a lot of goals from set pieces. So he may just feel like, cool, I just need height in there. Do you get me? Do you know what? Mm. If, if, my, this is my biggest thing with Rudiger, right? He's positionally poor. He's technically poor. But if he was at least dominant in the air, I'd get it. But he's not even good in the air. This is the worst thing with him. He's the tallest, most aerially suitable centre-back. And he doesn't even dominate the air like that. Especially from crosses. Mm. But anyway, listen, I'm not going to spend more time. He's comfortably my fourth best. But anyway, I don't know if centre-back becomes a priority like that. Midfield, 100% becomes a priority, especially with the way that Kante seems to be creaking. 
uh, it's come up a lot on this pod, even early on with the whole Jovicic nonsense, early early doors where they did look like they were forming a really nice connection against, especially against smaller teams. And we were asking Kante not first in the team sheet anymore. He's on huge wages, coming up to thirty. But if these injuries are anything to go by, they're at the very least going to massively invest in a replacement, even if it doesn't mean losing him now. Um, I think goals from deeper midfield is probably a worry. Maybe they're holding fire to see what happens with Loftus-Cheek's reintroduction, if he can take that mantle on. But maybe that's where the uh, our <laughs> uh, links come from in a bit of, in a bit of creation because he's a good player um, from what I've seen. I don't watch a lot of Leon, but he, he is tidy and he's a good little player. Whether he moves the needle more than a Mount does, I, I don't really know. Or a Graylish would, I don't really know. But um, but I think midfield becomes a priority. Um, who, who exactly we target there? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think you'll know that more. So like, especially when you when you know exactly what's happening with like players like Jorginho and the way his agents been yeah. speaking and then you've got like Kante obviously he's not he's not I don't think he's being talked about you know being sold or whatever by the Chelsea board or anything like that but I think it's, it's only probably going to be relevant if a club does come in with but even team. if he's not sold if they are telling themselves that they can rely on him for 60 games next year after what he's shown this year that's just bad planning yeah that's what I'm trying to say so, and that's that's why like I asked the question so early on because I was thinking if he is having injuries like this now and it carries on, that was what I said. I said, if it carries on, mm. then you have to think about cashing in and replacing him, bro. It's, it's just common sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, because... Or, or, or he becomes an option. Yeah, true, I think true. that's more likely, but then the argument is similar to what Arsenal had under Emery is you have a £300,000 a week option and then that becomes... I hear you. A topic I in itself. But because it's 300000 a week, that limit is who he can go to. And they're not dumb. They're seeing he's got injuries too. So if you, I'm, I'm with you guys. If you can sell him, actually it's at a point now, I guess because of these injuries, we're not as wedded to him in the team. Hmm. So if you can sell him, yeah, if PSG is still knocking, perhaps. I'm just not opposed to having them around. 100%. And to be yeah. honest, Going against my own point just now, if you're in the dressing room and you have a problem with Kante, brother, that is a you problem. How can you be mad at that guy? One hundred percent. So, so I hear you. And then forward, forward is is the one that seems to really be on a deal breaker for Lampard. I haven't seen any links besides Dembele. Werner is looking so Liverpool set. Is is essentially a done deal. Yeah. I haven't seen any links that make me think we will really move the needle there. Uh, we've we've been linked with Icardi because um, Icardi's on loan at PSG. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so we have been linked with him. And at this point, I don't think Chelsea want to gamble. I think and, uh, my thing is, you just mentioned about Rudiger, right? And yeah. why he's being played and this, that and the other. And then even Joe, the anti-Giorginio original um, will probably admit that he's being played based off his leadership and his character. I can only assume that Rudiger is being played off his leadership and character. Um, Lampard has gone with this whole mantra of training is what matters, every week matters, your preparation and your behaviours are what matter. I just can't see an Icardi coming into that. If that's the culture he's trying to build, I just can't see it. 
hundred percent. I'm just I'm I'm just saying links. So yeah. There's a Cardi there, and I definitely think... Um, so, it have been linked with a few others. I think that what they've been doing is they've been looking at, actually, who's scoring in, in like, right now in Europe. And, obviously, we talked about it before. So, um, another name I'm going to fuck up, Edouard um, at Celtic. Edouard with, is uh, my, my, my G, my guy, my bro. Yeah. And I think that Chelsea yeah. should leave Celtic alone and let him stay for 10 in a row. <laughs> But like, if we were to get him, do you think he's good enough? To I think Edward. I think Edward is probably already better than Scotland and needs a move. If I'm honest, um, I think he's quality. I think he's got a brilliant touch. Um, he can yeah. hold up the ball really well. He gets into better positions every season. Um, he's not a deadly finisher yet, but all round, I think he's. I think he. I think he's a quality player. I don't know if he's the option Chelsea need right now because he needs development again. And I feel like you have your projects in Tammy, in Hudson, um, in Mount. And what they need around them, for me, is probably some more dead certs and reliable contributors as opposed to someone who's going to have to acclimatise to a whole new level. But as a player, profile-wise, he's fantastic. Okay, but what I'm... He seems to be scoring loads of goals now. I know this is Scotland, but, but when you're saying... Europa League, he's, he's, he's strong. His performance in the Europa League is strong. Right. So what I'm saying is, even though he might not be clinical and finishing like every single one-on-one, he seems to be racking up goals. So I just guess my question, as someone that you've seen him, if he was to come to Chelsea and lead the line, do you feel he can be an upgrade on Tammy in terms of goals scored? Because Tammy, like, I expected it. What Tammy has done is what I expected. I expected Tammy to score in guts. I expected over the season, Tammy to score one in two. So, like, like we've got, yeah, I expect him to get around 19. Because, obviously, 38 games. He's got 13. There's, like, 12 games left. That kind of works out. So, do you feel, if Edouard, I think we need someone to come in. And I think across our front line, the way I look at it is, like, if you've got um, a Two guys on the wings, or if you've got one guy on the wing that scores like one in every two games, um, and then you've got someone up front that can score two and three, and then you can have just like a, like a Cho, an assister type winger. So I'm, I'm asking you basically, does Edouard improve on Tammy in terms of prolific wise? My my instinct is he probably does, just but I think it just because I love Edouard, I think he's quality. Um, but whether that is Accurate or not, I don't actually know. And I think let's not let's just take a second to just he scored in gluts and needs to improve the consistency. But 19 goals for a 21, 22 year old striker in his first real season in the Premier League, even in a top team, is 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 strong. Is strong, yeah. and it's it's not something that anyone can come in and do. What I would say, and I've, I'm a big Tammy fan, I acknowledge that his career is probably destined to be second choice at the club as opposed to leading the line. Um, but I do think Edouard has more natural ability to 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 link play and to take players on. Um, but Fair I think enough. they're both very, very good at occupying a whole back four. My instinct would probably say that if you had Tammy for five years and Edouard for five years, you'd get more out of Edouard. Um, but maybe that's just bias and based off me seeing him in Scotland as opposed to anywhere else. But I'd much rather that than what you're telling me has happened to Dembele, where you're saying... He's lost a yard and looks stronger. I can only interpret that as fatter. I don't know why. That's, I my, you, that's my own bias. Saying, 
But I don't know why. What I will say is, I watched him in preseason, so he's gonna be obviously coming. (laughs) And yeah, so so yeah, so like I watched a a couple of games after I said that, and he looked a little bit leaner with a little bit more pace. But again, I don't know. But even Um, him, he's now like they've they've saying. I think the last report I said eighty million and United bound. It's like I don't know. I don't know if the options are really. There, so yeah. I I don't know. It's going to be an interesting one, but all I'm saying is, if these eight or nine players that need to go need to go, actually go, you you've got a few replacements ready made in in Guehi and uh, Gallagher, but they're not immediate needle movers. Um, you've got Bogart apparently set to come back, but that looks more like an opportunity for Chelsea to raise funds as opposed to actually trusting Bogart. Um, We've had good success on this pod in terms of starting the Buendia hive and the Buendia agenda. I think <laughs> I'm going to speak for Meads when I when I would say that his his little idea of Partey from from Atletico would be an ideal perfect signing. If we are going to try and nick anyone off of those, I think that would be a real real anchor for the team that could could really help. In terms of experience and profile and everything like that, but but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I have a funny feeling that like Game of Thrones was always only ever going to disappoint people because of the expectations <laughs> placed on the last year. I got that feeling about this summer as well. Like we, we're expecting, we're going to see more like this. We're going to see more stories about the eight players that are going to get axed and we're going to see more Lampard talking about, well, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're not at the level and uh, the, the level is the level and uh, it's going to gas everyone up and we're going to sign two man and we will probably still have Willian and Alonso this time next year. And that's, and, that's, and uh, look, we can't leave the podcast on that. Uh, bro, we, we are going to get Sancho. Uh, I reckon, I reckon we'll have we a, can't I, leave I, the I podcast on lies either, fam. <laughs> no, I think we're going to have a mad summer still. Cause I think people are forgetting as well that there's three, I think three of those eight players that are meant to be going out, they're, they're leaving on a free, bro. They're, they're, they're not even being sold. They're just gone. That, that's it. Three of them are gone anyway. Yeah. Like, three of them are gone. You need to sell four or five. Who are, the, who, are, who are the ones already going? William? Although I, I have a funny feeling the club will cave. I don't know what the guy has on the club, but uh, he's just never leaving. Nah, he's gone. He's gone. Uh, William, Pedro, Giroud, they're gone. 100%. Okay, yeah, Giroud, yeah, fair. And I, I think they're gone. And I think um, they, I think just optics-wise, they want to bring in some... Marquee they need a marquee signing. They need a marquee signing. I don't think they can take on another season with the goodwill of the youth revolution because yeah. it just it's not going to sell. It's not going to fly. It's not going to be hey that was fun. Let's actually try this time. Like it's no. It's not gonna. It's not gonna yeah. work. And I don't think if I'm honest, listen. And this is not a bad thing and not a criticism. Frank Lampard is a man with an ego, and I will I will die on that hill. He's a man with an ego. And he is not going to stick at a club where he feels like he's going to be made to look like a failure. I fully believe that. A hundred percent. So I think, like, for a man, eighteen months into his career, he got awfully sulky about a January transfer window until Ziyech got confirmed. Exactly. Um, And so I think 
if he has the fans on side, which he's, he's being very smart about doing, um, and he, he doesn't need to do a lot to do, to be fair to him with all he achieved previously, he'll have the fans on side, he'll have the whole gen next generation of players on side. He clearly has some sort of pulling power, which I did underrate, to be fair, in terms of Ziyech name-checked him as a big inspiration when he was younger. Sancho has mentioned the same things. I think he could really play the board here if he's smart with it. And if he toes the line a bit throughout the season to hopefully get them to match his ambition. Um, Quickly on the pulling power, though. If you sign for Chelsea, you're going to say that regardless. Do you know what I mean? Of course, yeah. But I think, it's, I, think it's, I think it's inescapable. I think if you're a 1998 player and you're, you, you were six years old, when, no, sorry, 10 years old when Lampard was captain in Chelsea in a Champions League final, he would have been in your consciousness. You would have been aware of his goals. You would have seen him as a the same way a kid now will see. I don't know who's the captain of the flipping. Way, the way yeah, like you. Yeah, one hundred percent. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, I, I if I'm signing for Chelsea, regardless of whether I like Lampard or not, I have to say, yeah, of course I watched him growing up. He was an amazing player. Do you know what I mean? So I'll take that shit with a pinch of salt. Yeah, but it's not like Robbie Keane who supported every club he's ever joined. That guy had more shirts as a kid than <laughs> than anything. But I, I don't know. I feel like there is merit to it. Even though, yes, it's, it's publicity and this and the other. Like when Joe Cole said that Liverpool told him to say he signed for the biggest club in, in England on his on his arrival, which, which was unreal. But I do think I do think we're fortunate in, especially with any young English players, I think we're fortunate in the the generational timing of, of having Lampard as our manager. Because what, ZX 26, Moscow, he would have been, what, about eight years old or something like that? Like 10 years young. old? A bit older than that. Listen, I, I coach, blood. I don't do maths for a reason, yeah? Anyway, so... But, you know, back, back to the... Just quickly, sorry. Just on the young thing as well, like, I think people need to realise even having Loftus-Cheek, Cho, um, say, for example, Christensen and Rhys James in your starting lineup, if that's how it ends... Like this whole thing with the youth and that, you should be grateful that it ends with four men that are in your first team lineup coming from your coming coming from your academy. But there's still not a lot of clubs that do that. I don't think there's a lot of clubs that will no, get 100%. four. No, one hundred percent. And and again, again, it's a similar thing I said last week. I, I mentioned the word ungrateful. I don't think it's to that extent. I just was posing the question. But we've wanted this for years. This is this is a natural bump in the road and a teeth in pain. That comes with it, I guess. Um, I guess that's one way to look at it. But I don't want to end the pod sounding like Arsenal, uh, especially in a week where you get smacked up by Bayern Munich, which is their MO for a couple of years. I don't want to be They're talking... They're out, though, anyway. They're out of the Europa, so it's cool. <laughs> I don't want to spend uh, a week talking like them about proverbial new signings from, from, the, from the injury table like Loftus-Cheek. But I'll end on a positive... I was at Stamford Bridge Saturday, uh, I was sat near the dugout and I did see Ruben Loftus-Cheek warm up for about 40 minutes and he didn't seem injured when he walked back down the tunnel. So there you go, there's, there's the positive for uh, for this week. Boys, <laughs> thanks thanks for this week, thanks for your time. Shout out to Lumi who, who ducked for cover late on because he had to catch a catch an early one. Um, Jermaine, soft. Bless. Catch you next week. It's been Chessy Hour. Touchdown Frackers. Magical from Edinburgh. They just bring it up.
ghost I remember when I shot my shot but I didn't have guap so I hit the post But next time it's a golden goal and it When you're ready to ride Metro, we want you to know we're ready for you Here are just a few of the people at Metro to tell you how we're doing our part to keep riders safe We're cleaning like never before, we're hospital grade cleaning You'll find hand sanitizer stations all over the Metro No mask no Metro. Need one? We have a few extras. At Metro, we're doing our part to keep the D.C. area moving. Find out more at wmata.com slash doing our part. Sports Social Podcast Network.